Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 50 of Learning About the Lord. We will be reading today from Maria Valtorta, volume 1, and we'll be reading about how Judas Iscariot has uh, convinced the Lord to come and visit his homeland, which is Kerioth, and how Judas treats Jesus like a king uh, with a lot of extravagance and colorful clothing and a lot of attention and makes much out of Jesus's uh, visit to his homeland and makes much of his relationship with Jesus. But we will see that Judas's view of Jesus is in error and Judas will be um, not scolded but informed by Jesus that once again he has not understood the mission of the Lord as Savior and Messiah, not as King of the Jews. So we pick up the story where Jesus is meeting Judas's mother. She's a very good woman, kind, holy woman. But she has been instructed by Judas to prepare special red sandals for Jesus and a special colorful tunic for Jesus and a special headgear for Jesus so that Jesus will look very majestic and he will stand out amongst the crowd and Jesus is a bit horrified because he dresses simply and he blends in with the crowd but he understands as well that Judas's mother is is trying to honor Jesus by way of adhering to what Judas her son has asked her to do and not understanding at first that this is contradictory to how Jesus presents himself, but she does it out of kindness and Jesus does not embarrass her. Jesus says to her, peace to you, woman, and may God be with you and your son. Oh, yes, with my son, she says. Stand up, mother, Jesus says. I have a mother too, and I cannot allow you to kiss my feet. I kiss you, woman, in my mother's name. She is a sister of yours, in love and in the painful destiny of the mother of those who are marked. What do you mean, Messiah? asks Judas Iscariot, somewhat worried. But Jesus does not reply. Jesus then asks to have a private word with Judas. And he says to him, What have you done, Judas? And Judas replies, Are you not the promised king of Israel? Is it time that the world should salute you as such, and that must happen for the first time here in my town, in my house? I revere you as such for my sake and for the respect due to your names of Messiah, Christ, King, which the prophets gave you by Yahweh's command. Do not give me the lie. And Jesus says to him, Judas, what have you done? Have you understood so little of me so far? Why lower me to the extent of making me only a mighty man of the world, nay, a man intriguing to become mighty? And do you not understand that that is an offense, nay, an obstacle to my mission? Yes, do not deny it. It is an obstacle. Israel is subjected to Rome. You know what happened when they raised against Rome someone who seemed a mob leader and aroused the suspicion of creating an insurrection? And only a few days ago you heard how pitiless they were against a child 
because they were afraid he might be a king according to the world. And yet you, O Judas, what do you expect from the sovereignty of the flesh? What do you expect? I gave you time to think and decide. I spoke to you very clearly from the first time. I also sent you away because I knew, because I know, I read and see what is in you. Why do you want to follow me if you do not want to be as I want you? Go away, Judas. Do not harm yourself and do not harm me. Go away. It is better for you. You are not a suitable worker for this task. It is by far too much above you. In you there is pride, there is greed, and all its three branches. There is arrogance. Even your mother must be afraid of you. You are inclined to falsehood. No, my follower must not be like that. Judas, I do not hate you. I do not curse you. I only say to you, and I am saying it with the grief of one who knows he cannot change the person he loves. I only say to you, go your way, make your way in the world, since that is what you want, but do not stay with me. My life, my royal palace, how small and mean they are. Do you know where I will be king? When I will be proclaimed king? When I will be raised up? upon an ill-famed piece of wood, and my own blood will be my purple, and my crown will be a wreath of thorns, and my insignia a mocking poster, and the curses of all the people, of my people, will be the trumpets, the tambourines, the organs, the citherns, saluting the proclamation of the king. And do you know by whose deed all this will happen? by the deed of one who did not understand me, one who will have understood nothing, one whose heart was a hollow piece of bronze, which pride, sensuality, and avarice had filled with their humors, which will generate coils of snakes that will be used to chain me and to curse him. The others are not so well aware of my destiny. Please do not tell them. Let us keep this to ourselves. In any case, it is a reproach, and you will keep quiet to avoid saying, I was reproached. Is that clear, Judas? Judas has blushed so much that he looks purple. He is standing before Jesus, mortified, his head lowered. He kneels down and he cries with his head on Jesus' knees. I love you, Master. Don't reject me. Yes, I am proud and foolish, but don't send me away. No, Master, I will never do it again. You are right. It was thoughtless of me, but there is some love in my mistake. I wanted to honor you, and I wanted the others to honor you as well, because I love you. You said so three days ago. When you make a mistake without malice, out of ignorance, it is not an error, but an imperfect judgment, like the error of children, and I am here to make adults of you. Here I am, Master, here against your knees. You said you would be a father to me, and I am here against your knees as if they were my fathers, and I ask you to forgive me and to make an adult of me, a holy adult. Don't send me away, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, not everything is wicked in me. 
You know, I left everything for you, and I have come. You are much more than the honors and victories I got serving other people. You are indeed the love of poor unhappy Judas, who would like to give you nothing but joy, and is instead the cause of pain for you. That is all right, Judas, says Jesus. I forgive you once again. Jesus looks tired. I forgive you, hoping, hoping, that in future you will understand me. Yes, Master, says Judas, but now do not give me the lie, otherwise I will be laughed at. Everybody in Kerioth knows that I was coming with David's descendant, the king of Israel, and the town has made preparations to welcome you. I thought I was doing a good thing, showing you what one must do to be respected and obeyed, and I also wanted to show John and Simon, and through them all the others who love you, but treat you as their equal. Also my mother would be mocked at, as the mother of a mad liar, for her sake, my lord, I swear, I swear. Now I just want to stop here, and have you noticed that Judas is not humbled to understand that he has misunderstood the way he's supposed to view the Lord. He's humbled because he feels the fear of being humiliated before the town of Kerioth where he likes to appear like a big and important man. And he says, I wanted to show you, Lord, how you should behave in order to be respected. I wanted to show you how you should dress and and act in order to be made a king of Israel. I wanted to show everyone that I am the friend of a great man. So again, it's about Judas's pride. It's not about Judas's humility and love of Jesus. And Jesus says to Judas, Do not swear to me. Swear to yourself, if you can, that you will not commit such a sin again. For the sake of your mother and your fellow citizens, I will not shame you by going away without stopping here. Stand up. What will you tell the others? asks Judas. The truth, says Jesus. No, don't, says Judas. And Jesus says, The truth, that I gave you instructions for today. It is always possible to tell the truth in a charitable way. Let us go, call your mother and the others. So now they continue on to carry off, and an impressive elderly man delivers a speech, and he says, It is a great honor for the land of Kerioth to receive you, my lord, a great fortune, a happy day. It is a great fortune to have you, and to see that a son of Kerioth is your friend and assistant. May he be blessed, because he met you before everyone else. So you can notice here again, that Judas told a lie, that he was the first of Jesus' disciples, which we all know is not true, and in fact that Jesus had told Judas to go away and think about it before you come back and ask to join me again. But Judas goes around telling everyone that he is the first, he is important, he was the first chosen. It's about himself always. And the man continues and he says, May you be blessed ten times ten, because you have revealed yourself. You are the one who has been expected for generations and generations. Speak, my Lord and King. Our hearts are anxious to hear your word, 
just as the land parched by a fiery summer awaits the first soft showers in September. And Jesus says, Thank you, and thanks to these citizens whose hearts have honored the word of the Father, and the Father whose word I am. Because you must understand that thanks and honor are due not to the Son of Man, who is speaking to you, but to the Most High Lord, for this time of peace during which he re-establishes the broken paternity with the sons of man. Let us pray the true Lord, the God of Abraham, who had mercy on and loved his people, and granted them the promised Redeemer. Glory and praise not to Jesus, the servant of the eternal will, but to the loving will. Your words are the words of a holy man, says the elderly man. I am the chief of the synagogue. Today it is not a Sabbath, but come to my house to explain the law, since you are anointed with wisdom rather than with royal oil. I will come, says Jesus. Jesus goes to the synagogue, and he begins to speak. He's bright in his beautiful robes. His face is inspired. His arms are stretched out in his usual attitude. People of Kerioth, he says, the word of God is speaking to you. Listen. He who is speaking to you is but the word of God. His sovereignty comes from the Father and will return to the Father after Israel has been evangelized. May your hearts and minds be opened to the truth so that you may be freed from errors and confusion. Isaiah said, for there is a child born to us, a son given to us, and dominion is laid on his shoulders, and this is the name they give him, Wonder Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That is my name. We leave to Caesar and the Tetrarchs their praise. I will commit a robbery. I will snatch from Satan's fire many of his praise, and I will take them to the kingdom of peace, of which I am the prince. And to the future century, the eternal time, of which I am the father. God, says David, from whose stock I descend, as was prophesied by those who saw the future because of their holiness, which was so pleasing to God, that he chose them as his messengers. God says David, elected one only, my son, but the work is great. This palace is not for man, but for God. It is so. God, the King of kings, elected one person only, his son, to build his house in the hearts of men, and he has already prepared the materials. Oh, how much gold of charity, and copper, silver, iron, rare wood, and precious stones. They are all gathered in his word, who makes use of them to build God's abode in you. But if man does not help the Lord, the Lord will build his dwelling place in vain. One must reply to gold with gold, to silver with silver. That is, love is to be given for love, continence to serve purity, perseverance to be loyal, strength to be steadfast, and one must carry stones today, wood tomorrow, a sacrifice today, a deed tomorrow, and thus 
build. You must always build the temple of God in your hearts. So I just want to note that Jesus is telling us how to build the kingdom of God in our hearts. And it's by our actions. It's by our virtues. It's by love and consonance and purity and perseverance and loyalty and strength and steadfastness to God and God's commandments. Now we'll continue. The Master, the Messiah, the King of everlasting Israel, and of God's eternal people, calls you. But he wants you to be pure for the work. Relinquish pride. Praise is due to God. Relinquish human thoughts. The kingdom belongs to God. Be humble and say with me, All things are yours, Father. Everything that is good is yours. Teach us how to know you and serve you in truth. Say, Who am I? And acknowledge that you will be something only when you become purified dwellings into which God may descend and rest. You are all pilgrims and strangers in this world. Learn how to gather together and proceed towards the promised kingdom. The road, the commandments fulfilled not because of fear of a punishment, but out of love for you, Holy Father. The ark is a perfect heart in which the nourishing manna of wisdom is treasured and the branch of a pure will is certain to bloom. Come to the light of the world, that your houses may be bright, and I do not promise worldly honors, but I possess all the supernatural wealth of my Father, and I promise the eternal honor of heaven to those who will follow God with love and charity. Peace be with you. The people who have listened attentively begin to murmur, somewhat agitated. Jesus speaks to the head of the synagogue. Other people, perhaps the notables, join the group. Master, they say, but are you not the king of Israel? We were told. And Jesus answers, I am. And they say, but you said. And he says, that I neither possess nor promise worldly wealth. I can speak but the truth. Yes, it is so. I know what you think, but the error is due to a misinterpretation and your great respect for the Most High. You were told the Messiah is coming, and you thought, like many in Israel, that Messiah and King were the same thing. Raise your minds higher up. Look at this beautiful summer day. Do you think it ends there, where the air seems a sapphire vault? No. The most pure, the most azure spheres are beyond it, up as far as paradise, which no one can imagine, where the Messiah will lead all the just who die in the Lord. The same difference exists between the Messiah's royalty, as understood by men, and his true royalty, which is entirely divine. And they say, But will we poor men be able to raise our minds so far up? And Jesus says, Yes, if you only want to. And if you want to, I will help you. So here the Lord is referring to the free will of man combining 
with the grace of God allows us to achieve everything. He says, if you want to, I will help you. If you choose to, if your free will aligns with me and you ask me for help by my grace, the grace of God, I will help you. How shall we call you if you are not a king? They ask. Call me master or Jesus as you wish. I am a master and I am Jesus the Savior. An old man says, Listen, my Lord, some time ago, a long time ago, at the time of the edict, we heard here that the Savior was born in Bethlehem, and I went there with other people. I saw a little baby, exactly like all the other newborn babies, but I adored him with faith. Later I heard that there was a holy man whose name is John, which is the true Messiah. The one you adored, says Jesus. The other is his precursor, a great saint in the eyes of the Most High, but he is not the Messiah. Was it you? asks the man. It was I, says Jesus. And what did you see around the newborn child? he asks the man. Poverty and cleanliness, honesty and purity, a kind grave carpenter whose name was Joseph, a carpenter but of the house of David, a young mother, fair and kind, whose name was Mary, and a child with large blue eyes and pale gold hair. I saw nothing else, and I can still hear the voice of the mother say to me, On behalf of my son, I say to you, May the Lord be with you until the eternal meeting, and may his grace come towards you on your way. I am eighty-four years old. My way is near its end. I was no longer expecting to meet the grace of God. Instead, I have found you, and now I do not wish to see any other light than yours. Yes, I see you as you are in this merciful attire, which is the flesh you have taken. I see you. Listen to the voice of a man who sees the light of God while dying. The people press around the old, inspired man who is no longer leaning on his walking stick. He lifts his trembling arms and raises his head. I see him, he says, the chosen, supreme, perfect one who descended here out of love. I see him rise again to the right-hand side of the Father and become one with him. But, oh, he is not just a voice or an incorporeal essence as Moses saw the Most High, or as Genesis tells the first parents heard him and spoke to him in the evening breeze. I see him as real flesh rising to the Eternal Father, blazing flesh, glorious flesh. O oh, pomp of divine flesh, O oh, beauty of the man-god, he is the king, yes, the king, not of Israel, of the world. All the royalties of the earth bow to him, and all the scepters and crowns fade away in the splendor of his scepter and jewels. He has a crown on his head and a scepter in his hand. He wears a rationale on his chest. It is adorned with pearls and rubies, the brightness of which was never seen before. 
Flames issue from it as if it were a blazing furnace. There are two rubies on his wrists, and buckles with rubies are on his holy feet. There is so much light from the rubies. Admire, peoples, the eternal king. I see you. I see you. I am rising with you. Ah, Lord, our Redeemer, the light increases within my soul. The king is decorated with his own blood. The crown is a wreath of bleeding thorns. The scepter is a cross. Here is the man. Here he is. It is you, Lord, for the sake of your sacrifice. Have mercy on your servant. Jesus, I commend my soul to your mercy. The old man, who so far had stood up, rejuvenated by the fire of prophecy, suddenly collapses and would fall if Jesus were not quick in holding him up against his chest. Saul, Saul, the people say, Saul is dying. Peace to the just man who is dying, says Jesus, who has slowly knelt down to support the old man who has become heavier and heavier. There is silence. Then Jesus lays him down on the ground, and he stands up. Peace to this soul. He died seeing the light. In his expectation, which will be a short one, he will already see the face of God and will be happy. There is no death that is parting from life for those who died in the Lord. Did he prophesy, Lord? the disciples ask. His eyes saw the truth says Jesus. Let us go. So let's talk about what Saul saw. Saul saw the risen Christ after the crucifixion. That's what he was prophesying. He says, I see him as real as flesh. I see him filled with light. I see him bright while all others of royalty fade away. I see him with rubies on his wrists and on his ankles. This is the Lord's wounds from the crucifixion. I see his crown is a wreath of bleeding thorns. I see his scepter is a cross. So Saul was prophesying the crucifixion, the sacrifice of the Redeemer and the resurrection because he also sees him in perfect, glorious, blazing flesh when he returns to, th to God. Here is a, a really good contradiction between how a holy man, gifted by God, sees Jesus for who he truly is, versus Judas Iscariot, who sees Jesus as a means of glorifying his own self. Think about that. How do you see Jesus? What does he mean to you? What is your relationship with him? How do you honor him? I ask the Lord to bless you all. Go with God.